Well, good morning, Elevation. Glad to be with you here once again. This morning, I'm going to read our passage from Genesis chapter 40, starting at verse 1. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master. The king of Egypt, Pharaoh, was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held prison in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there was no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup into his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as he used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me, and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, kids, uh, we're going to start off with you here, as I have been doing lately during this summer series. I'm going to give you a task, and I'm going to invite you to, to do this task during the sermon. Hopefully, you're able to listen along the way. So what I'm going to ask you to do is take a piece of paper, pen, coloring utensils, and I'm going to ask you to think, if you were going on an adventure, what would you take? I want you to either make a list of the items that you take on the adventure, or maybe draw pictures of all the items that you would take on the adventure. Now, the tricky part is you don't know where you're going. So you need to think of the important things that you might need. And I'll tell you at the end of the sermon where I sent you. So this summer, we are using the Enneagram model as a jumping off point as we explore nine stories of fear and desire in the Bible that can help us understand how we move in the world and what God wants to reveal to us along the way. A couple of weeks ago, we had an opportunity to sit down via Zoom with Krista Hesselink of Soul Play to get an introduction to the Enneagram. A couple of weeks from now, on Monday, August 24th, we have another opportunity to get together once again on Zoom uh, to continue our conversation, exploring a little bit more about what the Enneagram is all about, understanding our types and how to apply that knowledge to our lives. So if you visit the Stay Connected page of our website, which can be found on the homepage of our website, you'll be able to register via a link right there. Hope to see you out. 
Now our reading this morning began with a dream, which is fitting given the popular story of Joseph that we're introduced to a few chapters earlier in Genesis 37. When we meet Joseph at age 17, he's tattling to his father about his brothers. As the story goes, he went out, he's out in the field with them and something happened and he decided to come back and say, Dad, I saw my brothers doing this. Now, of course, we've all been on one end of the spectrum or the other in a story like this. Now, unless you're an older child, of course. But anyone with a sibling has both tattled on their sibling at some point or been tattled on by their sibling. It's just the way life goes. Now, that was problem number one. He was telling on his brother whatever it was that they were doing. The second problem with this story is that is what we read in chapter 37, verse 3. Now, Israel, his father, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. So Joseph is a tattletale. He's his father's favorite child, and his father made a special rainbow-colored robe for Joseph. So he's, he's just clearly the favorite in this picture. And then to cap it all off, Joseph went to tell his family about a very strange dream that he had. It was actually a pair of dreams. And in both of these dreams, basically it gave the impression that one day his mother and father and all of his brothers would be bowing down before him. Well, this was just too much. His brothers couldn't handle this. Here comes that dreamer, they said one day. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of those cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And so that's what they did. Only they didn't kill him. They threw him in the cistern and they, they decided to sell him to some passing travelers. Joseph became a slave to a family in Egypt. One day, his father's favorite son, and the next day, a slave in Egypt. So he is serving in the house of a man named Potiphar. And at one point in time, the Bible tells us that Joseph was well-built and handsome. So as he grew, he grew into this kind of strapping young man, uh, which in some ways is a good thing, but in other ways, it's not a good thing. Potiphar's wife was attractive to Joseph. So despite his best attempts to serve his master faithfully, Joseph fell victim to his master's wife's sexual fantasies and landed himself in jail based on trumped up accusations. Joseph had done nothing wrong, but Potiphar's wife was angry with him, maybe embarrassed by him, so she had him thrown in prison. Just this past week, our family watched the movie Just Mercy. A couple of years ago, I read the book by Brian Stevenson. He's a, a lawyer who stands up for the rights of prisoners on death row, and this movie was kind of a story about that um, experience, particularly with one prisoner who was sentenced to death, uh, but who was actually innocent of the crime. And as I was reading, watching that movie and, and writing this sermon, I was thinking about the fact that as far back as history goes, people have been using their power to cover up their wrongdoings, their own faults and failures, and innocent people have paid the price along the way. Now, when Joseph is in the dungeon, more strange dreams. And that's what we heard in this morning's reading, right? We hear the dream from the cupbearer and the baker, these strange dreams, but they don't know what they mean. So Joseph provides an interpretation. But the key thing in the story is in verse 14 and 15. He says to the cupbearer, when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. All he wants is a little support from someone who would soon be in a position to help. But as we read in verse 23, the chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Now, most of us have been forgotten at some point. Maybe someone forgot your birthday, or maybe someone forgot your anniversary. 
Or maybe someone forgot you. Uh, I think it happens to many kids at one point or another kind of parents' brains are going a little haywire and they forget them or whatever. I did it to my daughter. Sophie was left at church one Sunday. Uh, I got home and realized, oops, forgot my daughter. I mean, it happens to the best of us, right? Joseph just asked a simple request. Just remember me. Show me kindness when you're out of this dungeon. Now, a six in the Enneagram has a basic fear of being unsupported. Like I've been saying throughout this series, you'll probably be able to identify with this number and a number of uh, these numbers throughout this series. Uh, but there's going to be one that stands out more to you than others. Now, you may not exactly fear being unsupported, but you almost certainly don't enjoy being unsupported. It's that feeling that you're alone in whatever it is that you're going through, that no one has your back, that when you need a helping hand the most, there won't be one reaching out for you. Sixes often exhibit significant fear, largely experienced as anxiety. And no matter how many supports they have lined up, they will still feel doubtful and anxious. After all, if life teaches us anything along the way, it's that the support we thought we had lined up is bound to let us down at some point or another. Every one of us has or will have someone let us down in a significant way, just as every one of us has or will at some point let someone else down. Now, Genesis 41 continues the story. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. So Joseph asked the cupbearer for some help. Not three days later when he was released, but it was a full two years later when the story picks up. Pharaoh had this dream. Uh, basically, there were seven fat cows and they were enjoying all the grass they could eat. And then these seven skinny, deformed cows came up and they devoured the seven fat cows. And then Pharaoh had another kind of similar dream where there were seven heads of grain and they were bursting at the top. And, and then these seven sickly heads of grain came and kind of gobbled them up as well. And he woke up and he was really disturbed. What does this all mean? Well, he asked everyone that he could think of for an interpretation, but everyone else came on empty. And then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today, I am reminded of my shortcomings. It had been two years since he thought of Joseph, the one who predicted that he would be getting out of that dungeon to begin with. So the cupbearer told the Pharaoh that there's this guy in the dungeon and he's actually a really nice guy, just forgot about him, but he knows how to interpret dreams. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly bought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Now, there's this principle in research methodology that says correlation does not imply causation. Now, what does that mean? It means that two things can appear to be related, but not necessarily cause one another. So a couple of examples for you, I'll throw up on the screen. The first is a comparison of U.S. crude oil imports from Norway with drivers killed in collision with a railway train. And as you can see by this chart, when the oil imports from Norway go up, so do the people killed by trains. And when the oil imports from Norway go down, so do people killed by trains. So you could look at this and say, well, the, the way to stop people be, from being killed by trains is to stop importing crude oil from Norway. But of course we know that's not how it really works. Or how about this one? This graph compares the divorce rates in Maine with the per capita consumption of margarine. So once again, you could look at this and say, hey, divorce rates go down significantly when people start eating less and less margarine. So if we just like cut margarine out of people's diets, then people's marriages will be healthier. But of course, we know that's not how it actually works. 
I was thinking about it because in this story, we've already had two situations where that involve dreams, either Joseph dreaming himself or Joseph interpreting someone's dreams. And in both of those scenarios, it didn't turn out well for Joseph. So you might think that when all of a sudden he's brought forward in another situation to interpret dreams, he might think, you know what? I know how this is going to end. Something involving a dream ends up bad for me. Once you've experienced a lack of support, it can be a real challenge to count on it the next time you're in that similar situation. I like the words of Thomas Merton. When the time comes to enter the darkness in which we are naked and helpless and alone, in which we see the insufficiency of our greatest strength and the hollowness of our strongest virtues, in which we have nothing of our own to rely on and nothing in our nature to support us and nothing in the world to guide us or give us light, then we find out whether or not we live by faith. Now, Joseph leaned fully into his faith, believing that God would support him. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Jeremy Taylor once said, it is impossible for that man to despair who remembers his helper is omnipotent. Now, last week we were introduced to this big word, omniscient, which means that God knows everything that can be known. And this week, the characteristic of God that we learn about is that God is omnipotent, which means that God is all powerful, that God can do anything that can be done. Now, for anyone whose basic desire is to be supported, this is really good news. Even if other people are going to fail you, even if other people are not going to stand up and support you, God is able to. So Pharaoh relays his dreams and Joseph explains their meaning. And basically what he explains is that these seven fat cows represent seven years of plenty. The harvests are gonna be booming for seven years, but then the seven lean cows represent seven years of famine. So what we need to do is store up all the grain in those seven years of plenty so we have enough to survive in the seven years that will follow. Well, Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Now, sixes understand that although the world is always changing and is by nature uncertain, they can be courageous in any circumstance. Joseph went on to lead Egypt through a devastating famine, eventually finding himself in a unique position to support the very people who had first turned their backs on him. Now, of all the personality types, sixes are the most loyal to their friends. They will go down with the ship, so to speak. They will hang on to relationships of all kinds far longer than most other types. Now, if you had to pick one example of loyalty in the Bible, Joseph would be it. It's really interesting. Remember that our story began with Joseph being sold into slavery by his brothers. Well, during these seven years of famine, all of the surrounding nations were starving, and the only place with food was Egypt. And so Joseph's family, his long-lost family, had to come to Egypt in order to get food. And in order to get that food, they had to seek it from the brother they had sold into slavery. Now, years had passed. Joseph looked had changed. They didn't recognize him at all, but he recognized them. And so the, by a turn of events, he eventually reveals himself to his brothers. And I want to read that passage for you. This is from Genesis chapter 45, verses 4 to 8. When they had done so, he said, Joseph said to them, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. 
And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Last week, our family spent some time with, uh, with our friends, with our family at the lake, at Six Mile Lake, and the kids were out with their cousins wakeboarding. Now, if you've ever been wakeboarding before, you know that it's not easy. There are a lot of falls, a lot of splashes, a lot of trip-ups. But one of the things that I noticed was that every time someone wiped out, every time someone couldn't get up onto the board and on top of the water, everyone in the boat was like, you can do it, you've got it, just keep going, one more try, just try this little trick, try that. And the thing is, is that with all of this encouragement, everyone kept trying and eventually all of them got up on the wakeboard and it was incredible. It was a really great time. It is just amazing what a little support and encouragement can do. In the case of wakeboarding, just having their cousins encouraging one another on, encourage them to go on. But in Joseph's situation, it was so much more significant. God encouraged him by representing, by showing up and being present with him when he needed him most. And Joseph returns that by passing on support and encouragement to the people around him. You see, he takes the support that he received from God at his greatest time of need, and he supported the very people that had actually sold him into slavery. John Sticks writes that no one is immune to the effects of being cared for. When we express care and support for those around us, it produces powerful and instant results. Now, before I wrap up, a great story that I read in the news this week uh, there essentially were these three guys in Micronesia, these small little islands, um, who went out on their boat and they ended up getting stranded on this deserted island for four days. And when they were on this island, they ended up being rescued. You can see in the picture on the far left of the picture is a, a helicopter that landed there. Well, how were they found? There, the search party was circling that area for days. They found them because on the beach, and you can just barely see it in the picture here, they had spelled out a giant SOS in the sand. Now, this is something you see like in a cartoon or a movie or something. This doesn't actually happen to real people. People don't actually do SOS on the sand and get saved because of that. But in this case, they did, which is why I thought it was such a great story. Okay, so kids, at the beginning of the sermon, I asked you to either write a list or draw pictures of the things that you would take on an adventure. But I didn't tell, tell you where you were going. So what if I told you that everything on your list was supposed to prepare you for an adventure on a tropical island. So take a look at your items. Do you have the kind of things that you would need on a tropical island? You see, sometimes we're prepared for our trips and sometimes we're not. But the good news is that whenever we go on a trip, we don't need to pack God because God is always with us. Now, this is for the kids and the adults. Think about it. When Joseph left home, he had no idea that he would end up in Egypt as a slave. When he was a slave in Egypt, he had no idea that he would land in jail. When he was in jail, he had no idea that one day he would be in charge of all of Egypt. But even if he didn't have a chance to pack properly, even if he didn't know what was coming next, he knew that he had God with him because God is always with us. And when we don't have what we need, God is able to provide for us because God can do anything that can be done. So whenever you find yourself in a situation where you don't have what you need, remember that God is there to support you.
just like he was for Joseph. Now the men on that island definitely needed support. There's no way they could get off it on their own. So they put out an SOS, save our ship. That's what a prayer is really all about. A prayer is saying, God, I need some support. I'm not finding it maybe in the people around me, but I know that you're here with me and I know that you can support me. Charles Purgeon says, prayer is powerful. It is the slender nerve that moves the muscles of omnipotence. So let's close our time this morning together in prayer. Lord, once again, I am grateful for the stories that we find in scripture, stories of men and women going through real life. And sometimes going through real life when it's difficult. Joseph's life was so filled with trial, and yet he was able to turn to you, receive support from you, and then turn around and support the people around him. God, may we experience the same thing. May we experience your love, your support, and may we turn around and offer that to the people in our own lives. God, I pray that this story would echo in our minds and our hearts throughout the rest of the day and the week to come. In Christ's name, amen. Now, as we do each week, we're gonna kind of wrap up our time with a reminder that you can hop on a neighbor's group call at the end of the service here. Um, if you have not joined a neighbor's call before, there should be a link in the comments and you can join the group that I host. Um, but we encourage everyone to do this as a way to check in with people during these strange quarantine days uh, and also just as a way to discuss the morning sermon and help understand how we can apply what we've heard into our daily lives. It's been great connecting with you once again, even if it's virtually, peace to you.